old baby retired coach that always around the Mills and Utahs and old Piss Rebels and um, Rednecks, whatever they call themselves, and the USC Trojans. <laughs> Speaking of Trojans, you know, Coach O likes them Magnums, baby. Then, oh, wait, wait, never mind. That's another, that's another podcast. <laughs> I'm doing that sports antelope. Anyway, it's an episode by your boy Belts is going to be about was the, the talent outweighed the baggage, you know, and I mean, that's a big problem, baby. You got, you got these kids. You know they're good. They're good athletes and all, but they, uh, they troublemakers. You know they out there getting in fights, engaging country in the bars like I used to do. Me and Bobby Abel, you know they out there in that strip club snorting blow and then doing chicks and getting in fights at 3 a.m. and all that stuff. You know it ain't good. But um, you know you gotta you gotta do that around that draft too, baby. Like when well, this guy good, a good player, good athlete, you know. But um, he kind of a, a dipstick, you know. I mean, I don't know about whether we want to deal with that, you know. Like, you, like your Johnny Manziel and your Pac-Man Joneses and all them, um, you know, it, it's a big dilemma that you got when you got one in teams, baby. I mean, I had to, hey, baby, them Saints get that honey badger, and I'm all pumped up, you know. But uh, you know, we had let, I mean, not me, let's miles, I let him go. I mean, he got into trouble and all, and then he got all good. And now he's all sober and all, he's good, good kid and all, leader and all that stuff. You know, he's coming back to the the big sleazy, and he's going, you know, we're going, them Saints going to be crunk this year, baby. I tell you right now, they're going to be crunk. C-R-U-N-K. Anyway, I'm Coach O. Take it sleazy. Go Tigers, and I'm Coach O, bitch. What the hell is that? You know what it is, bitch. Bang! Welcome to the Sports Antelope, episode number 98. Does the talent outweigh the baggage? It's a good question, isn't it? I'm your host, Danny Belts. Sing it, Kenny. That's my man, Top Gun. Just another week closer. Every episode, we get another week closer to the greatest movie ever made, period, full stop. And if you don't think it's the greatest movie ever made, you have the problem, not me. Believe that. So much to discuss here. I do want to get to the Suns-Pelicans game six that was in New Orleans. What a choke job that was by the refs. We'll talk about that. I want to talk about something called clock versus the score. And if you watch game one, Golden State-Memphis, you may know what I'm talking about. Talent outweighing the baggage is such an interesting thing. Uh, Really, you can see it in your professional life. You can see it in sports. You see it basically everywhere. Somebody's going to have to evaluate if the talent is greater than the baggage or vice versa, you have to make a decision. Can't wait to get into this. What's that, Kenny? Oh, yeah, my bad. It's your turn. Playing with the boys, shirtless volleyball, sweaty on the beach. This is what men do. Everyone knows that. Bro Exotic is coming on the show with the woke Pope. Look out. <laughs> I've been waiting for his wokeness to come back. God, he sounds better than ever. You can just feel the wokeadry in his voice. It's just, it's eerie, yet it's enchanting at the same time. And Tommy Bench batting cleanup here to discuss an interesting political, uh, he's going to get into the Ohio numbers of registered Democrats and Republicans, but I don't want to blow it. I'll just have you wait so he can tell you. And Tommy Bench brings the hammer at the end. Speaking of the hammer, the woke Pope kind of brought the hammer to bro exotic and not to get too spoiler alert not to get too much oh what a kind of a heated discussion there um the much anticipated interview with his wokeness himself was excellent 
I am selling that one right now. Yes, you're damn right I am. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote episode number 98. Be sure and follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antidote, at the Sports Antidote. Reach out and touch a brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antidote today or I will cuck you. It's that simple. That is if your wife is a five or better. Anyway, so let's talk about clock first, the score before we get into everything here. So people in bat, so basketball is one of the few sports where in baseball, there's no clock. In football, there is a clock, but in football with a lead, you can just chew it out by getting first downs, taking your time, then taking a knee, running the clock out, etc. In basketball, particularly in the NBA, as the shot clock gets lower and lower every year, soon the shot clock is going to be like 17 seconds. So even when it's a close game, unlike college, you rarely see a foul mode in the NBA because you're going to get X more possessions per minute because the shot clock being so lessened. So in this case, the Golden State Warriors game one, both these games have been riveting. Golden State Grizzlies, the Memphis Grizzlies, They've been amazing. John Morant, nothing short of spectacular. This kid, Poole, for Golden State, I don't think he's missed three shots in the first two games. But in game one, boy, did Golden State really get lucky. Now, I'm going to take you to the final 20 seconds of this game. I've watched it several times. And the announcers praised Steph Curry for this, and it almost lost them, should have lost them the basketball game. They should be going back to Golden State right now, down two games and not split. So... If you remember, Golden State is up by one. Memphis misses. Golden State gets the rebound. It's under 20 seconds. The shot clock's turned off. So Memphis is going to have to foul. So they go for the steal. They don't get it. Curry, he's, we think of him as just a shooter. He's a great defender. He's a great passer. He's good at everything. Um, and he is so slippery in the open court. People forget how good he handles the basketball. Uh, we talk about Chris Paul and Kyrie and these other guys, Ja, with these crazy handles. Make no mistake, uh, this dude is right in the mix as the best handles I've ever seen. So, of course, he sends someone to the you know, snack bar, crosses the shit out of somebody, goes to the middle of the court, and then Steph gets in a one-on-one with one of the bigs down low. Golden State's trying to run clock. Memphis is trying to foul. And Steph Curry leaves his feet to go up for a layup that is not going to be contested. Homeboy was too, it was Jackson actually, he's too far away. So if anything, he would just foul Curry while the ball is in the air and that'd be the worst thing possible because now it's going to be a four-point game instead of a three-point game. The game would be over for all intents and purposes. Steph Curry opts not to lay the ball up. Instead, he does a wraparound, a dangerous pass, and it gets to whoever they wanted it to get to. I believe it was Poole. Then they try to foul him. He swings it out to Clay Thompson, who gets fouled. And the announcers are like, very smart, very, you know, Mark Jackson. Smart move by Curry. No, it was a stupid move. Stupid. Because the clock is never as important as the score. Let me repeat that. The clock is never as important as the score. Because at the end of the game, the clock doesn't matter. As elementary as that sounds... It's amazing how I see this happen more and more. In basketball, you still need to score to win. You can't just take a knee in basketball. And Golden State kind of did. So instead of opting for the open layup, it kicks it out, and they get 4.1 seconds off the clock, which is a valuable 4.1 seconds, but 
you still have to score. And you could have done that easily with a Curry finger roll. Now you're up by three. Worst case scenario, you go to overtime. You probably win the game because they don't make the three. Oh, instead, everyone's like, well, yeah, no, it was good. Clay Thompson goes to the line and he misses both. How smart was that now? Now it's a one-point game. And now you get Morant. They drew up some play for him where he catches the ball in full stride. I have never seen a basketball player move that fast with a basketball in my life. He's faster than Iverson. He's faster than anyone. It is insane. He might be the most athletic person I've ever seen next to actually Zion Williamson, who actually has a higher vertical than John Morant by like a half an inch from what the, not the combine, from what the verticals show online. And he's 200 and he's fat and he can dunk from the, th- the free throw line. It's crazy. They're both ridiculous. But Clay misses both. Here comes Morant down the court, head of steam, and then goes to the left, shakes somebody. He's been making this shot all night, and he got his shot. A down screen takes care of the guy on the side of him, and now someone has to run off from weak side to help defend this, and Morant throws up a floater with his left hand, and he just missed at the, as the buzzer sounded. I mean, that shot goes in eight out of ten times. He had made that shot eight times in a row before that. I felt like he just kept doing the same thing. Can't stop it. The clock is never as important as the score, and Golden State is lucky they're going back home to Wilcafornia with a split series because I feel like Memphis should have won that game. You sound like you had money on it. but Yeah, maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. But at the same time, I mean, Golden State didn't cover. That game was just pretty – everyone had the over anyway. I mean, just take the over. Who cares, right? Now, game two went way under, but – Still just something to think about there. And then speaking of the NBA, the Suns-Pelicans. You know, I, I really missed the third quarter bet there. The, the, Suns, the Suns dominated the third quarter. The Pelicans dominated the second quarter and go into half up 10. A very, very – this is a Phoenix Suns team that never, ever goes into halftime down hardly. They control the game. Very good team. And they're down 10. And you could almost hear the red phone get picked up by the commissioner – uh, the Nosferatu, the commissioner, the one that drinks the blood of young children, he is Nosferatu. Looks just like him. It's pretty scary. Adam Silver. <laughs> <laughs> Cuck. And anyway, so all of a sudden, out the gate, C.J. McCollum gets two phantom fouls called on him. Now he's got five, and basically he's out for the entire game. So they call all these fouls on... New Orleans, now they're basically playing guys that never play, and they still stuck around, had a chance to win late. They really did. But clearly, and after reading reading Dunnegy's book, the NBA ref that was, you know, basically gambling because of referee tendencies, most fascinating book I've ever read by far. That book was insane because I remember some of the stories, and I was like, you cucked me on this one too. (laughs) But it, it, it really shows the NBA is like professional wrestling. I mean, they couldn't have been any more blatant. McCollum, two of these fouls, he didn't even touch Chris Paul on one of them. And CP, me, just, yeah, he may as well just wear a whistle when he is playing. I feel like he's just the fourth ref. He just calls fouls. Just call your own foul, Chris. Sure. Sounds like a winner. Not to take anything away from Chris Paul, but it is getting a little annoying. He's one of the greatest. He might be the best point guard of all times. Uh, recently, J.J. Reddick gets to an argument with Mike the Mad Dog talking about Koozie's a better point guard than Chris Paul. And then recently, Reddick called him a racist, of course, because he's an old white guy. Mike the Mad Dog is a genius. The guy's an Encyclopedia Britannica in his brain of every sport, including hockey. 
And of all things, he is he is not a racist. J.J. Reddick is a worthless, worthless piece of shit. Now his podcast, I, the I Hate White Man podcast, he himself being a white man, he is just insufferable. I hated him at Duke. I took so much pleasure in LSU ending his collegiate career in the Sweet 16 years ago. Oh, it was amazing. I hate Duke, as if you haven't figured it out yet. Uh, yes. And for good reason. I'm not a North Carolina fan. I'm not just hating, dog. I'm just saying, this dude is, it is hard to listen to him constantly apologize for being born white. Anyway, so the Suns won the series. I was wrong. Well, that's going to happen a lot now, isn't it? So does the talent outweigh the baggage? Now, you can look at this in a lot of different ways. And there's a lot of stories one could tell me about these two things, the talent and the baggage, because you have to look at both. I mean, one of my friends, let me give you an example, a lot of examples. One of my buddies that I went to school with, okay, this dude was very successful, not Mr. Black. And by the way, Mr. Black, he called me, we spoke. <laughs> he said that I actually embellished. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> I told the story, you broke his jaw. I'm sorry. He beat the sh- <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. If anything, I, I could have went longer and didn't, but Mr. Black's doing well, and I appreciate your call. He said listen to the show now. Look at that. That guy didn't have time. It's only one hour, chief. You ain't that important. Actually, you are. That's okay. And no, I'm not going to say what company he's running. You may have heard of it, but it doesn't matter. So a buddy of mine married this chick who was, I mean, absolute gold digger. There's no way to get around it. I mean, look, my buddy, we don't really talk as much anymore. He's kind of off the, he's just, he's gone. He's AWOL. I don't even know where he is. I haven't spoke to him in like a year, but here's what happened here. So he had a lot of money and he had a lot of money in college through his inheritance, but he's also really smart. Started a restaurant chain outside of Atlanta and was wildly successful. They got married a year after he graduated from the college of Charleston. Not, not when all else fails, applied to Johnson and Wales, but anyway, and it was kind of apparent what was going on here. And she had already like tried this with a couple other guys in the same situation through her collegiate career, and it was getting ridiculous. So the talent, oh, she's a 10, a, a motherfucking 10. She's a 5'10 blonde, played on the volleyball team. Uh, she's not ugly at all. I'm emphasize, not ugly, Okay. Belts is a married man. Try not to talk about other women. So I won't talk about how hot she is. I'll just talk about how ugly she isn't. So she's got that going for her. A lot of talent. But with that talent came the baggage. So I'm not going to get into her per se, but she came from an insane family. And when you marry a woman or when a woman marries a man, you are marrying their family as well, right? that you are. And in this case, her family was straight trailer park trash. This was not helping at all. All right. I don't know how I saw her parents once. I don't know how they pumped that out, but they somehow did. Maybe before the mother did meth for 40 years, she looked a little different. I don't know. But, but there was a ton of baggage here, but a lot of talent, a lot of talent. But I felt that the baggage outweighed the talent. Not by much, because there was a lot of talent, but it was too many red flags, and I was actually asked not to be in the wedding because I got hammered drunk. 
uh, at the bachelor party and told him this, and his brother was there. He didn't like that, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, her brother, the girl's brother, was there. He really didn't like that, and he actually wanted to escalate this to go outside, which I had no problem, especially at the time. For sure. Sure. Good. I mean, I'm no Rocky Marciano. Sure. Fine. He's <laughs> he's no Mike Tyson, but... That was my Mike the Mad Dog uh, impersonation. He always does this, by the way. Quick sidebar. He's always, Mike the Mad Dog is always doing something like this. He it sounds like this. The drunk neighbor used to do it. He's like, Clayton Kershaw, sure, he's a good pitcher. He's great. He's no Sandy Koufax. <laughs> it's, it's always the same. Sure, Mookie Betts is good. Sure. He's no Ty Cobb. <laughs> he always takes it to like the most extreme level. <laughs> and it's always like, sure, he's fine. He's good. He's no Mickey Mantle. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sorry about the sidebar. But, yes, I was not going to – I mean, I wanted to. We, we didn't fight. I would have just – this kid this, – this I would have been minus 600 in this one. You would have bet on belts. It would have been uh, quick. But the thing is, is that – and then I was <laughs> kicked out, basically asked not to go to the – she hated me anyway. Shocker. Spoiler alert there. She did not like me. Um, but I was right. They got divorced, and she basically – and it's a horrible divorce. And, you know, she ended up getting a lot of money. She had this all set up. And it's it's horrible, horrible. But even then, you can kind of see that the baggage was a lot. It's visible. There's a lot of carry-ons going on this plane here, pal. I don't know if we can keep all this weight. But yet, you know, another over a woman, of course, a Delilah Jezebel Temptress. And uh, I saw her recently on Instagram. I kind of want to create a burner account and troll her, but whatever. But there's a good example of just the talent not outweighing the baggage. And then you get the end result, which is, unfortunately, a divorce. Now, you can take this into professional realms as well. So I used to work with a sales guy who, in my opinion, was probably the best salesperson I'd ever seen. That's a big statement. This guy was one of these hybrids. He was an engineer that could sell. So that's not fair. That's like my gay friends when they go to the gay bar. If you're gay and you want to get laid, you just go to the gay bar and it's over. You walk out of there in five minutes. It's not fair. There's no checks and balances here, right? Like there's no – the women are the great blocker of society and guys just want to bang everything. So when you get a bunch of horny dudes in a room that are gay, it's not fair because they just – they will, right? Whatever. I don't care. Um, <laughs> it's, it's true. So in the same, in the same accord – Sales guys aren't supposed to necessarily be that intellectually inclined. Now, most people will disagree with that and say, you know, well, you street smarts, pal. But yeah, my dad told me I had street smarts when I was 12. So basically, I knew it was over for me. I got to get into sales, right? But I'm just kidding. There are some very smart salespeople. I'm just not one of them. But this dude was brilliant. And boy, could he sell. And he had it all. He, had, he was very, he's in good shape. He was tall. He's like 6'4". Uh, they, they, I don't care what anyone says, height, when you are tall, you command a certain presence in the room. He dressed extremely well, and he could execute the company strategy just about as good as, as you possibly could. If you're one of those guys, that teachers that can't give an A++, you would almost have to give him one on the field because his talent was insane. One salesperson of the year, the three years I was with the company – and one year he broke a record that I, I don't keep up with it, but it had to be the medical record of the year. I mean, like this dude broke, he broke his quota in April. He already had the highest quota. 
His quota that year was like 2.5 million. So to put things to perspective, mine was like 700,000, which I did, of course, attain. But this dude went, I mean, they owed him more money. He made more money than the CEO that year. He had to. We we just did the math. You can see what people are making. Everyone knows. He was just that good. But the baggage, wow. I don't know how this guy did it. I mean, I could use myself as an example, but at least in all my drunken charades at professional gatherings and going out to bars afterward, it never affected my job somehow. Now that's baggage. You just can't really see it. You could see this guy's baggage. This dude got drunk and was basically like the other dude on Mad Men that wasn't Don Draper, the dude with the basically just like grabbing, hey, toots, just pinching an ass while you smoke a cigar and you just pour gin all over your face. You know, that, that guy. And his, he was a HR disaster, an HR nightmare of the 10 varietal. Oh, 10 being him, zero being Taysom Hill. He was the 10. I mean, I mean, like this dude would say the most outrageous things. He would get so drunk and then just start throwing money around. This dude would go to the strip club and he'd be open about it after, you know, on these professional like sales events, it's usually three or four days. The days are long. You need to get some sleep. And typically, especially with this company, you had to be engaged. And this dude could do it, though. He'd go out and he'd always get two or three people to go into the strip club, come stumbling back at 4.30 in the morning, get two hours of sleep, and then just show up like it was all good. And everyone knew he was doing it. HR could not stand him. They wanted to get him fired so many times. But it's so tough to fire somebody that's that talented. It's almost impossible. The dude is just a stud. Now... There comes a point when the baggage of which I just said will eventually get so close to the talent that you're going to have to make a difficult decision. And in this case, they had to make one because eventually this dude just bit off more than he can chew. I'm not going to get into what happened. I had already left. I heard the story and just laughed so hard. But basically, it ended with him asking the director of HR if she would blow him. I, I not making that up. And he, apparently he was serious, like straight face. Like, get on your knees, sweetie. Let's get this over with. You know you want it. Something like that. Like, it, and then at that point, she filed some sort of, like, you have to fire him now or she'll sue you, the company. So they had to, at one point, the baggage eventually outweighed the talent. Now, I did check him out on LinkedIn. He's doing just fine. Uh, works for a tremendous medical device company. Looks like he is a regional sales manager now. I know the company well, and he ain't making no hundred thousand. He probably already made a hundred thousand so far this year. But that's just a professional example of which I speak of. Now I could go on and on with these, but there are some that I do want to talk about. I think sometimes in the NFL, you know, there's the Johnny Menzels. Make no mistake, had Johnny Menzel not did not acted the way he did initially and not gone to Cleveland, he's playing in the NFL right now. I'll die on that hill. I'm sorry. This was not a gimmick offense at Texas A&M. And he, you, don't, you don't roll Alabama out the gym two years in a row uh, just by sheer happenstance. Manziel had a really good 40. I mean, the dude could spin that thing. He could throw it a ton. He was accurate. He dominated the SC. The only school to have his number was LSU. They clocked him twice. Other than that, 
I mean, the dude was about as good a college quarterback as it gets. It's so good that it got Nick Saban to run the RPO. That was it. That was the final straw for Saban. If you want to go back in the timeline, is when he just kept getting torn apart. Then he changed his whole offense, hired Lane Kiffin, and basically gave him the keys to the castle. That was free. But, you know, with Menzel, I, you know, we could argue it till you're blue in the face, uh, but you know, I'm not. But I feel that he would have been good. He went to Cleveland, which was the first problem. And then you knew what he had. A ton of talent, but there's so much baggage with Johnny Menzel. I mean, God, at the Peyton Manning camp, he showed up the next morning. You're supposed to show up and help all these kids. He's puking up Jack Daniels. He smells like a distillery. I mean, he's too just, he didn't hide it. But clearly you had to know what you were drafting with someone like that. Coach O alluded to him and Pac-Man Jones. Like, he's just a great person you want on your defense. But he's going to have some problems at the strip club. And he's going to have some problems over here and over there. It's going to spill into your locker room. And that baggage probably outweighs the talent at some point. Now, people, I, li- I like when, you know, the Michael Sam thing. And, and one person told me, you know, I bet you if Andrew Luck came out as gay, he wouldn't have been drafted in the first round. Really, I heard that one time. Okay, I don't know who that guy was. He's probably not listening to this, but I ran ahead. I'm going to do you a favor. I've already done this in my head. This is how this goes. All right, you ready? All right, you got... Chuck Pagano at the time, you know, the old, old coach, he's over here, and uh, he's, like, talking to Ursay, the owner. Hey, man, we're pretty excited. We're, we're going to get Andrew Luck, right? Like, oh, of course, of course. Uh, he's outside. He just wants to talk to us. Okay, let him in. So Pagano lets him in. Andrew Luck sits down. Ursay says, Andrew, we're looking forward to have you come play for the Indianapolis Colts. You're going to be the next Peyton Manning. Uh, you're going to be our guy. Yeah, it's, it's cool, coach. As he talks like the uh, Buffalo Bob or Buffalo Bill from, <laughs> from Silence of the Lambs. He sounds just like him. It's startlingly similar. But, and he says, well, guys, I just want to tell you, uh, you know, I'm gay. And then they basically look at each other and they go, what else? Well, do you, all right, did you? All right, I know what you did. All right. You raped a nine-year-old boy. There's blow all over your hotel room. We can clean this up. Ursay's on the phone. I got a guy. Just like Danny DeVito and Frank and Always Sunny, I got a guy. So he's calling, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just gay. And they're like, uh, he's like, actually, you know, I'm trans. And they're like, is that it? And then, oh, no, he did, you know, the whole, is there a 16-year-old girl in your shower right now, Andrew? I can fix this. I know, I got a guy. I got a guy. Pagano's like, call him. He's Ursay's already called him. No, 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 I'm just... I'm just trends. Uh, Andrew, can you still throw the football? Yes, you're hired. No one cares. <laughs> if the baggage in the NFL was that you were a pansexual who married Bro Exotic and got married by a zebra and got a woke island or something outrageous, no one cares. Can you throw the football? Are you good at what was it you say you do here? So if you can play, no one cares. And by the way, if a gay quarterback were to actually come out and actually be gay and dominate, it would be the best thing that ever happened to the NFL. They'd salivate over that. I mean, Michael Sam made the team. He made the Rams almost Mr. Insignificant. The dude, he ran like a 5240. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And then also when people say he was co-defensive player in the SEC, he was. He did have 11 sacks. Seven of those reverse FCS schools early in the season. Ooh, ooh, you didn't see that coming, did you? Well, it's true. Don't believe me? Google it. That was free too. Anyway, so the NFL, you know, will have instances where we're going to see players that does the talent outweigh the baggage and no one cares. 
about your sexual orientation. <clears throat> That's not even real baggage. It would have been in the 70s, but it's not now. But in sports, you will see baggage with a lot of talent. We're going to go one right now, LeBron James. I have a disdain for LeBron James. That is very great. It's not quite Coach K, but warm it all up. It's getting there. And it's not LeBron's on-the-court antics. It's not so much what he does. It's how he does it. And that in which he does brings forth a tremendous amount of baggage with arguably the most talented basketball player ever. I mean, are you going to argue that? I mean, have you seen any guys his size that can do what he can do? I haven't. When you do, tell me. I haven't seen one. been watching ball for a while. But with LeBron comes the instant media circus that comes with him and comes with any time LeBron gets a microphone. Like when he said, cops are hunting black people in the streets. No, they're not, LeBron. No, they're not. And if anything, he should have been cited for starting in clear and, unpresent, or clear and present danger as now when... When young, especially young black kids that relate to LeBron hear that, now they're going to think if they get pulled over for speeding that they're going to get shot. And um, I don't want to get too far down that road. My point is with LeBron comes a ton of baggage to the point now where, I mean, the guy, I've already talked about it, he's a locust. Wherever he goes, the crops are good. And when he leaves, it gets burned to the ground and then it builds itself back up. Look at the Miami Heat right now. They're on the cusp. Excuse me, of going to the, the West Coast Finals. They're probably going to win this series and play whoever wins Boston, Milwaukee. Spolstra is an unbelievable basketball coach. Wow. But at the same and I was serious. That was not sarcastic. I think he's a brilliant mind. But when you have a LeBron James, you have to take this into consideration. So right now he's already thinking about ditching LA. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't mind playing with Steph. You think the Golden State Warriors want that baggage? Not even woke Steve Kerr and woke Curry want that over there because that is all going to ruin nearly everything they have you know is where they pass the basketball a lot and yes I know LeBron does have assists but it's just it's a one-man train it runs through him Golden State's like watching a ping pong game by ball flies all over the place and do you think they want that even though they, they took Durant because there's no baggage that comes with Durant there's nothing what he's short with the media he curses out people on Instagram and calls uh, what's his name? A faggot? Um, Jim Ga- uh, not Jim Gaffigan. Michael Rappaport. That was hilarious. I don't care. If that's the extent of his baggage, his talent far exceeds the baggage there, as he's one of the best basketball players of all times right now. You don't see many seven-foot guys running around, point guard that can shoot it from 30 feet, do you? Great defender, all of these things. But LeBron is the exact opposite. He brings all of this baggage, and when you're a GM, you have to wreck it. I know that's the elephant in the room. Excuse me. It has to be. It has to be. It would be if I would. I mean, it's going to change the culture. It changes everything. So what about if a team brought in Colin Kaepernick? Well, Kaepernick is an interesting and probably the case study for this entire argument. Does Colin Kaepernick have talent? He did. Does he now? I don't know. I doubt it. They keep touting, you know, that he's in like the best shape of his life. He certainly does not look in good shape to me, but that's neither here nor there. 
you'll hear a lot of things about Kaepernick. His quarterback rating was in the 90s. He threw 72 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. That's over 2-1. to That's better than the league average. These are all true. True, true, true. He was 60% completion percentage. That's also true. So from the outside looking in, there is some talent there. But the baggage with Colin Kaepernick would be larger than everybody I just mentioned times 10 combined. Because the minute you bring in Kaepernick and the minute that the person he's backing up throws one interception, you are going to have to deal with the media. When's it time, coach? Is it time to report him in? Is it time to... You wouldn't even get a press conference out without having to... It'd be like the press conference with uh, South Park where they kept asking Tom Brady, can I have your poop? You know, they kept asking. He couldn't even have a press conference because they just want his poop for a... Um, what was the one? South Park and anal? I forgot what they did. Oh, God. How did I bring that up and not remember? But at the same time, it's just... There's a lot with Kaepernick. And the thing is, is we tout his stats. But there's another side to Kaepernick that we don't talk about that was going to weigh the talent side things downward. All the stats I just said about Kaepernick are 100% accurate. And if you look at those stats, you would see an efficient quarterback, just like Marcus Mariota. Same kind of statistics, except it just does not translate well with winning because quarterback rating, unfortunately, does not take a lot of things into account like sacks and fumbles. And if you really want to get down to it, man, Colin Kaepernick only started for five years. He fumbled 37 times, 37 on 375 touches in the regular season. He had a fumble to touch ratio of 10.1%. That's the highest of all times. He's fumbling the ball one out of ten times when it's in his hand. You don't believe me? Look it up. (laughs) He had 171 sacks in five years. You good at math? Those 171 sacks accumulated 1,060 negative yards. So the argument that his sacks are because his line sucks is quickly defuted when you can clearly see these sacks are 9 and 10 yards, and if you know what that is, that's a quarterback running around not knowing what to do and then getting sacked. No, sorry. That's exactly what it is. So no one wants to talk about that side, especially Greeny, who wants to tout all these stats, but not these. So clearly Kaepernick is just not that good of a quarterback. He really isn't, especially with the sacks and the fumbles. Eh, fumbles count too. Yeah, if you fumble, the other team gets the ball. It's not good. In Kaepernick's case, there's no way that the talent outweighs the baggage. And I didn't even get into the, I'm not even going to get into the, the, the Black Lives Matter, all the other just afterburners that would come with Kaepernick into your locker room. You'd almost be forced at some point to play him, even though the guy you're going to bench is better than him. <laughs> that, that's exactly how that would end. And the NFL's a business, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants to do business like that. Not even the woke Seahawks. He had a chance in Baltimore and then his brilliant fiance or girlfriend, the Muslim girlfriend, says, compares the Baltimore's owner to a slave owner. Oh, that's good. Well, there goes that one. So clearly Kaepernick doesn't even want to play football. I've talked about this a thousand times, but the talent most definitely does not outweigh the baggage in this situation. You could take it politically too. The Trumpster. Oh, I could do a whole podcast on this. What's the talent? Well, 
Let me ask you a question. If you had a failing business and you had two people to help you, three people, four people, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, or Donald Trump, who are you going to pick? You know who you'd pick, all right? You'd pick Donald Trump and because he has private sector experience, which should be a, should be a must for a president. Instead of all this public sector, I'm a lawyer, no one cares. But Trump, you know, unemployment, less than 4%. Fact, we did have peace in the Middle East. He got a lot of people to get together to unify against Iran, as you remember. It's never happened before, barely even reported. Moving the embassy, remember the whole Jerusalem thing? Doing all these things, literally doing things the right way. When we took out the leader of Iran, we contacted Iraq and actually asked for permission, whereas President Obama did not do that when he took out bin Laden in Pakistan. But I don't care. I just wanted him out anywhere. I give props to Barry on that one. Hell yeah. Take that dude out, even though he was on a dialysis machine. Whatever. But Trump has a lot of pluses here. You know, the economy's booming. A lot of things are going the right way. But the baggage with Donald Trump is just unbelievable, right? And you, that's even if you remove Twitter, his shady past, his shady dealings, his way he manipulates bankruptcy and bankruptcy court. I mean, I could go on and on about the baggage that man brings. Does the talent outweigh the baggage? I don't know. It's close. A lot of talent there. Ooh, a lot of baggage. Sure. And that's also because that's what the media allows us to see. Um, you know, I've said this before. I've read both of President Obama's books. He's since wrote a third one. Somehow Michelle Obama's writing another book about herself. Hasn't held a job in 39 years. Look that up too. That's okay. Oh, by the way, telling kids in public schools not to eat sloppy joes does not deem you gainfully employed. So let's just get that out there as well. And I'm not sitting here to bash the Democrats or whatnot, but Trump does have a ton of baggage. But it looks as though the talent outweighed the baggage a little bit in the worst ever run campaign ever by Hillary Clinton in 2016. I did a podcast on that, read a book on that by two liberal people that were there that worked for Politico. And they were very objective in their book. It was a great book. I can't believe I don't remember the name of it. Damn it. But it was a good book. And the point is, is that whether it's politics, whether it's a girl, whether it's Kaepernick in sports or LeBron or Menzel, maybe you're looking at a girl right now. Does the talent outweigh the baggage? Hope it does. When my wife was looking at me, she probably saw a lot of talent. But the baggage was humongous. I'm a complete loose cannon. And I was broke. <laughs> like, we're getting in fights at, at F&M's, our first date. I smoked some dude to try to put his head... It doesn't matter. But <laughs> our first date actually was at Galatoire's, a nice restaurant on Bourbon Street. And then we ended up at F&M's, I think. Yeah, we did. Whatever. I have a lot of baggage. I don't even know how much talent I have. I think the bag... For me, I think the baggage certainly outweighs the talent. So she missed the boat on that one. Now, with her, there's hardly any baggage and a ton of talent. So I, I got the right end of that one. I'll kick the coverage like most smart guys do. But no matter where you go in this, in life, it's 50 billion directions. Does the talent outweigh the baggage? It's not pros and cons. It's different. It's weighed differently. But you should always be thinking about that. Not just when you have to make decisions, when you're looking at a player for a sports team you may like... Or if you're a manager and you need a sales guy, you got to factor that in too. Or if the chick you're trucking to, she's hot, boy, she got some tiggle bitties, but she's freaking crazy. Well, you got to make these choices. It's tough. Does the talent outweigh the baggage with bro exotic? It appears he may be giving some baggage to the woke pope. Not sure. But speaking of talent, a lot of talent with the woke pope. Has anybody seen bro exotic? 
Are you a white person who wants a lot of credit for helping to create racial equality while you do nothing to help create racial equality? If so, that means you want to be a woke white person. So listen up, because I'm going to give you your PhD in wokeology. Ladies and gentlemen of the Sports Antelope, I know we've been talking about this for quite some time. It's one thing to have the Vice Pope, Bro Exotic, come on this show faithfully every week. And we always allude that the Woke Pope will come on the show, but you have to understand how busy he is with wokeadry across the entire universe. And he is on right now with Bro Exotic. Bro, how you doing, Chief? Oh, what's going on, dude? Uh, Bro Exotic, Vice Pope of Cal, Church of Woke. Uh, what's going on, dude? Sick. And your wokeness, how are you today, sir? Why, hello, Miss. I am as good as I ever have been. The world is away to the woke. This is true. It is. Things are happening right now. Roe vs. Wade's a big deal. But people, and I'm sure you have a take on that, but people are talking about Roe vs. Wade when they should be talking about Bro vs. Quaid. Bro Exotic and Randy Quaid have gotten into a huge a spat sidebar and no one's talking about it i mean bro exotic you know exactly what's going on here right oh yeah dude well i mean it, it's it's crazy by now like we, we we're all aware randy quaid is just this this raging cisgender lunatic who's an enemy of patent sexual rights for animals in the congo sam where you just can't stand for this anymore dude like we got enough do- i grow tired of your tales of affairs i apologize uh I was just uh, was trying to impose your will there. Uh, it's my bad. I'll take time out there. Mm. Yes. My time out, you will. Wow, that was a come over the top strong there. I guess we'll shelf bro versus Quaid. Uh, we'll have to get into that. That's the real, uh, the real story no one's talking about. Uh, let's just get right into it. Bill Gates has been really flashing his wokeness, really ratcheting up the intensity now as it appears that he looks as some sort of uh, off, like a dad that got fired from, I don't know, Staples and then gained 50 pounds and then hangs out under a bridge with people from Antifa in Portland. I know that you have been in talks with Bill Gates to potentially bring him in. This would be a major acquisition in the church of woke for a free agent to be named later, but your wokeness, can you just get into a little bit of what's going on with Bill Gates? I know William. To be woke, you must be many things. You must espouse a belief irrationally. William's belief is COVID. To be woke, you must also be useful. And William is, oh, so useful. I I imagine he is. He is a billionaire. And I think, not to get too sidetracked on this, but it kind of reminds me of Batman Returns. You've seen that movie. Oh, I, I'm not going to assume you have. But you know, he kind of goes out and lives with the thieves and eats bread out of a dumpster and such. When Bill Gates came to you, is it true that to prove his wokeness, he had to live under a bridge in Portland? Because he looks like he has. Or can you get into that? Or I will not speak of the affairs of the church with you, Mr. Belts. Well, uh, okay. I, I totally understand why you wouldn't want to do that. And I respect that, I think. Not quite sure. But there has been talks, and what would appear on our end, 
that you're not looking just to bring Bill Gates in, you know, to sell Budweiser in the stands here. You're bringing him in hardcore on the chessboard and you're looking to bring him up pretty high. The guy next to you is the vice pope. So have you given consideration to how high Bill Gates would come in to the Church of Woke if he were to come in? The bounds of William's usefulness are not yet measured. He may even rise to the level of vice pope. You see, COVID, my man, my Mr. Belts, COVID is a racist virus that must be contained. And William is going to contain it. How high he was. You did say Vice Pope. Uh, bro Exotic, I am, you are still the Vice Pope, correct? Uh, yeah, that's correct, dude. Um, whatever uh, Woke Pope decides, uh, his work will be, uh, be done. Um, and I will uh, accept any uh, demotion uh, thereafter. Uh, maybe possibly even Woke Monk. I'm not even sure. Uh, whatever I'll right, be you'll have, you will have no choice but to accept it. I mean, yeah. that's just you his will. It's my discretion. Uh, so is there a situation where potentially we could split the pie? Maybe Bro Exotic is the vice pope while Bill Gates is also the vice pope. Is that possible? Well, Bro now, Exotic- dude, I think it's actually possible because like the Saints right now, they have two defensive coordinators. And that's it seems like that's really going to work out for them, dude. I, I just Enough think- of your talk of athletic endeavors. I will not waste my time. The woke pope pope has uh, taken an exit in quite a fury. Okay. He is angered? uh, He's not. I wouldn't say he's angered. I would say he's he's pretty furious. Okay. Well, I don't want to have him take that out on you. You're already on on thin ice. Uh, I'm on the chopping block, uh, per se. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, you are. Well, got, got some big compo. Big composition uh, with uh, with Bill now. Uh, yeah, you w- do. William, as Woke Pope you, says. You do. Before before we leave, though, did the Woke Pope kind of vanish, or did he just walk out normal? I'm just curious. He actually, uh, he walks as slow as he talks. Oh, so he's still in the room. Got it. Okay, well, Woke Pope, thanks for jumping on the Sports Antelope, bro. Exotic, I hope you can keep your job. Um, maybe you can convince the Woke Pope to come on in a couple months, bro. Exotic. His will be done, yeah. That's uh, yet to be determined uh, when that might be, but we'll, we'll see. We will see. And good luck with uh, Bro versus Quaid. Uh, it is rare, but I'm on your side here. We'll talk about that next week. All right, dude. Sounds good, dude. Uh, stay woke, and uh, we'll see you next week, dude. Groundbreaking stuff. Wow. Shivering. See you later, buddy. All right, dude. Cheers. Shots fired. Tommy Bench, welcome back to the Sports Antelope. What's going on? Nothing much. It's been real quiet in the news. No no real major stories. It's going no. to be kind of tough for me to put something together here and talk about. Yeah, I was wondering what we we're going to do. I mean, I was checking all the local, or local, but all the usual suspects. Couldn't really find anything. Couldn't, I guess lib, libs aren't worked up about anything. You know, no, just, not at all. Things wait, are going. hold on. There was something that happened. What's that? The, the Met Gala. 
That's what we're going to talk about. Yes. We're, we're going to give yeah. a solid 20 minutes on Kim Kardashian wearing the Marilyn Monroe dress from Happy Birthday, Mr. President uh, at the Met <laughs> No, we're not. Yeah. We're not. But that did happen, which was that was, you know, an interesting piece of Americana being weaved in there. Um, yeah. Can you imagine what would your wife do if Marilyn Monroe sang you Happy Birthday in front of 15,000 people in the way that she sung it? Probably wouldn't be too happy and probably would insinuate in her head that something was going on because something probably was going on. Something was going on between Miss Monroe and uh, Mr. President at the time. Yes. So, all right. So obviously, look, the, the, I mean, to say the big news of the day, I, it's more like the suffocating news of the day is this whole, you know, this draft opinion got leaked. And in the opinion, which the Supreme Court, they, they verified and said that is a legitimate draft opinion, but it is not. They they said it's legit. Uh, it is it is a draft opinion, but it's not final. So, what did it say? It said that as a result of there's no way they could uphold the Mississippi law that was before them without also overturning Roe. So, because Roe was poorly decided, we're overturning it. Now that is a gross oversimplification the opinion was 68 pages i'm not gonna pretend like i read more than a few sentences here and there that were cherry-picked um but essentially if if that opinion holds it will overturn roe versus wade and look you can go get six hours of commentary about what that really means the short of it is it'll go back to the states some states will have abortion on demand up to nine months some states will ban abortion outright you'll probably have a lot of states with something in the middle like well six week or a heartbeat ban or well only in cases of rape or incest so, so yes, it's going to be a mishmash. And you know what? What I would say to people who feel strongly about it, frankly, one way or the other, is move accordingly. Yeah. Look, if you think abortion is something you have, you have got to have available to you and your family members and the women in your family and the women in your life, well, pack your crap and move to California. It is a free country. Okay? Now, we know that's not going to happen because you enjoy living in red states and benefiting from all the red state economic policy and those things. But you hate that you have to put up with more, you know, conservative social values and things. But, you know, and look, I mean, I, if you're a diehard pro-lifer, I don't know what you're still doing in California or New York or any of those places. But, you know, if you want to go move somewhere where, you know, little babies aren't being aren't being murdered and and eviscerated with machinery. And that's the other thing I, I will get on a kick. And I know we tend to stay away from these issues, but I'm going to hit this for about 30 seconds. All right. Stop using the euphemisms. Stop saying women's health. My body, my look, if you want to talk about abortion, fine. And if you're in favor of it, fine. But be man enough to look me in the eye and say, I am in favor of a doctor sticking a needle filled with poison into a fetus, killing it, and then using a vacuum that has these sharp, you know, protrusions on it that chop the baby up like it's a blend, like a margarita in a blender, and then suck it out through a vacuum tube. If you, want to, if you want to tell me you're for abortion, that's fine. Just be honest with me and tell me what it is. Don't use a euphemism. Be very straightforward and tell me what it is. Okay, Get, moving off. Let's talk <laughs> about the, the political – because I know some people are like, oh, I, don't, I don't want to talk about this. I just, you know, I come here. You know, and Portnoy piping up, whatever. He's, yeah. he's a cuck. He's a cuck. He's doing that because he thinks that's what all the 20-year-olds – that he lures to his mansion to, you know, choke them while he's having sex with them. He thinks that's what they want to hear. Yikes. And that's going to that's gonna increase the number of those 20-something-year-old idiots in his DMs. That is, that is purely it. Before anyone thinks he's on some crusade for women, that is 100% what's going on there. And any guy who's listening, 
is shaking their head going, yeah, yeah, he's probably right. He's, this is all about just getting more. Okay. <laughs> Political implications. Now, look, it's all over the map. And, and I think reasonable minds can disagree of whether this helps the Republicans, whether it hurts them, whether it helps Democrats, hurts them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on the, on the coin flip, right, because it's such a divisive issue. I'd say it's a coin flip right now, but I'm going to give the coin flip slightly to the Republicans only for this reason, not on any of the substance or not on any of the whose base will get more revved up from this simple fact. It is hard to keep people revved up for six, seven, eight months. All right. We're we're in May. So you got to keep people revved up May, June, July, August, September, October. That's seven months now. You, you'll get another round of revving when the actual decision comes out in mid-June. But some people have already kind of shot their load on that. And I don't mean that in a sexual way. I mean, there's, you know, firearms <laughs> terminology. Anyway, my point is there, people will have sort of expended some energy and, and you know, some resources. Um, and I, I, I think it's just going to be hard to keep people because this is an emotional issue. This isn't one we argue about intellectually. This is an emotional issue. It's hard to keep people's emotions at a fever pitch for seven months, especially after the last two years where your emotion, you know, for the people who are really fired up about COVID, your emotions have already been running on high. And there's a lot of crossover, the COVID crazies and the pro pro choice people, ironically, the people demanding you stick a needle in your arm and wear a mask everywhere you go. But I digress again, you can get several hours of that from somebody else. Um, but one interesting thing, and I, I am by no means the first person to observe this, but uh, I will add to the echo chamber on this point. It is interesting that corporate America does not seem to have rushed to the pulpit to make statements on this the way they have with so many other issues over the last year or two. And one makes me think that they hear Ronnie D's footsteps like a tight end who caught a pass right over the middle. And you can hear the footsteps of that middle linebacker coming to absolutely drill you to make sure you don't get to the first down marker. I think there are some boardrooms in corporate America saying we need to pause for a second. Yes, absolutely. Maybe we should just see if we can avoid commenting or if we do, it's a passing, you know, well, the wheels of justice or, you know, some anodyne statement. If I was working PR, for a big fortune 500 or any company we would try to stay as far away from this as possible and any statement we give would be about as vanilla as the ice about to crush in about 10 minutes it would be very plain out of the way right you know yeah some sort of well we we understand there's there's the the process of uh you know works and the leaking of the document is out of the norms of that and we respect the judicial institution of the dot 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 do everything but say we support or you know don't support abortion right so speaking of ronnie d ronnie desantis governor De- i should be more respectful governor desantis america's governor uh he is reserved 5.3 million dollars of advertising for his re-election campaign on spanish media outlets you know radio uh tv billboards that sort of thing now, you might think, well, yeah, I mean, of course, he's you know, going to be an expensive race. Uh, agree. Um, but this is not about winning. And you might say, well, what do you mean it's not about winning? Why would you spend $5.3 million when it's not about winning? He's going to win. He's going to, I mean, short of a 4K 
ultra HD video coming out of him with an underage child in a hotel room doing something inappropriate, he's going to win that race. Yes. He doesn't just want to win it. He wants to monkey stomp his opponent. He doesn't just want to win by four points and say it's a solid show. He wants to win by double digits. He wants to, I, I think he almost wants to hang a 20 point margin of victory on the Democrats so he can look people in the eye and say, I have turned Florida solid red, bright red. I think, I think he wants to win his campaign by a greater margin of victory than the governor of Texas. So he can tell Republican voters, look at me. Look at me. Just, just you know, uh, um, like, like Russell Crowe, are you not entertained? He wants to look around at the Republican electorate and say, are you not entertained by how I won you know, Florida, which used to be a, a, a swing state that we thought we were losing, that Obama carried twice, right? Yeah, Obama carried it twice. And he's now brought it back to, you know, a 20-point margin victory. That's what that's about. He wants to run those numbers up and show the Republican electorate, you, you bring me in, I guarantee we're getting Florida. It's not even a swing state. I guarantee it. And we can put all those resources to actual swing states, like a Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Minnesota. You won't have to spend two seconds campaigning in Florida if I'm your guy. That's my theory on that. We will see. What do you think there, Belts? You, you uh, going to something? It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. The lines on DeSantis still stays about plus 500 for the presidency. I did notice that for the governorship, for him to get reelected, I did see one site that had it. It was minus 2,000. Jeez. That, that means that for those of you out there that don't know, you have to risk 2,000 to win 100. Uh, that is not, I mean, I guess if you have a million dollars and you're looking to win about what? Well, no, no. Thousand. The, the way to compare that is if you put that $1,000 in a CD, now that the Fed just jacked up the interest rate by a half point, you're getting to the point where it'd be better to just put it in a low interest CD yeah. at yeah. your bank. Yeah, there's no doubt. you gamble it. So it's That's, almost, I, I thought that line to be a little crazy, but uh, yeah, unless they find a six, you know, a, a nine-year-old boy in his bed with a bunch of cocaine, I just don't see anybody deep, you know, getting him out of there. Uh, I don't even think, and not that I want to go too down the rope on this, but I don't even think if I'm a Democrat strategist, which I'd be good on either side of this, yeah. I would not even waste my time in Florida. No, I, really I, I don't. I don't think they're. I don't think they are. You're. You're the. the you know they've got a, a perfunctory candidate down there, young younger woman around our age, and she's going to make some noise. And I bet AOC will fly down there and talk about how terrible DeSantis is. Oh, of course, is. but they're not going to put serious money into. It. And just like frankly, I don't even think they're going to put serious money into Beto. Because they're looking at the map. They're, they're on defense. They are playing defense, and they can't afford to waste you know, $60 million on Beto. Uh, a, a poll just came out, showed Abbott up by 11 points. Um, if, that kind, if those kind of polls hold, and I, I think it will even be worse than that, worse than that for Democrats, they shouldn't spend any money, any of their national money. They should go shore up purple districts in you know, Virginia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, places like that, um, because – Back to our original statement, you know, Pennsylvania, right? Republicans, a Republican state Senate and a Republican legislature at the state level. They get a Republican governor, you know, I mean, the pro-life movement, they will move the needle in a state like that. And so if you're the Democrat Party and that's I mean, 
think about the economics of it. And I, I, I wish somebody would do kind of a deep dive on the economics of abortion from a very clinical standpoint, like put, set the emotion and moral side, put part of it aside. You start getting places. I mean, in Texas, apparently abortions have fallen off a cliff because of the, the Texas, the law that came in where basically private citizens can sue abortion providers for providing abortions. So abortions have fallen off a cliff. That's a lot of money not going to that industry. And that industry donates to Democrats. Yes. Right. So so a lot of money is now not going to be funneled into an industry that then donates almost exclusively to Democrats. And if you start looking at that by the state by state level, I mean, that could have a profound impact on fundraising ability and things like that. So more to follow on that. We'll be keeping an eye on that. All right. What do I want to close it out with? People probably aren't aware, you know, primaries are going on or some people might be aware. Primaries are going on in various states to select nominees for Senate, House races, even state level legislatures, state level Senate races and things like that. Texas had theirs. Texas had their first one uh, about a month ago. We have a Republican primary runoff in a few weeks. Uh, yours truly will actually be on the ballot for a precinct chair position. But but we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit hmm. um, in a couple more weeks. But Ohio just had their Senate race and and the. The discussion about Ohio circled all around J.D. Vance, who is the author of a book called Hillbilly Elegy. And, and he was he grew up in poor white Appalachia, but then went on to go to an Ivy League school and has had a very successful life. You know, he had a grandmother that believed in him. But one of the points he made, one of his central themes in that book was, look, people talk about, you know, the single parent or the out of wedlock birth rate in low income African-American communities. Well, and his point was all those sort of societal issues that are often pointed to as being urban city problems, the same problem exists in poor white Appalachia. Um, you know, out of wedlock birth rate, high, high drug dependency, high percentages of people on welfare programs, just sort of a general feeling of malaise that there's not much going on, there's not a lot of opportunity. Interestingly, one of the places this was illustrated, and I think it was completely unintentional, was Saturday Night Live back before Trump won in 2016. So probably three or four months before the election. And I don't think they meant to do this, but they had a skit of Black Jeopardy, but Tom Hanks was on it playing a Trump-supporting MAGA hat, literally MAGA hat-wearing redneck who accidentally ended up on Black Jeopardy. And after a few awkward exchanges, what they found out is like a lot of the humor and cultural jokes there was a lot more commonality between the two communities than one might think. So anyway, all right, that was kind of a long way of getting to who J.D. Vance was, the guy who ended up winning. But yeah. the real thing was J.D. Vance was endorsed by Trump. He was kind of muddling around in the single low double digits, but then Trump endorsed him. He moved to the lead. Some people are saying he won a convincing victory. I he won 32%. The next guy won 24%. The next guy won 23%. If you would not have had two competitive guys – you know, if one of those other guys would have dropped out, maybe would those voters have moved and would it not have been so close? I don't know. But Trump's really touting this that look at me, I want 20 for two. I want 22 for 22 in terms of people I endorse because uh, Josh Mandel, his closest opponent, was endorsed by some of them, some of the more tra definitely right of center, you know, Ted Cruz, but some of the more traditional conservative voices. Right. Yeah. OK, so everybody thinks that's the talking point. Here's what I think the talking point was. And again, I've seen some people talk about this. When you total up the vote totals for all of the Republican candidates, and, and there was quite a few of them, there was two, four, six, seven candidates, but essentially 
you know, the, the, the top five vote getters, but I'm going to total them all up. The Republican primary in Ohio drew for the Senate drew 1,025,000 voters. Okay. Keep that number a million. Keep that number in mind. You go over to the Democrat primary. Now the Democrat primary was not as competitive. Uh, Tim Ryan, uh, who's uh, I believe a member of the house or has recently been a member of the house, he was, you know, the early favorite from early on. So it wasn't a competitive primary. But even in non-competitive primaries, you, you should get some turnout because down ballot, there's usually some competitive races. For the, the Democrat Senate nomination in the state of Ohio, they drew 509,000 people. Yeah, that's not good. Did you hear? I mean, you know, again, Ohio used to be a swing state, right? It used to be a swing state. It was so goes Ohio, so goes the presidency. Now, unfortunately, that didn't hold true in 2020 um, because some other states that were normally red states went went the other way. But the idea that in Ohio, the Republican primary drew twice as many people as the Democrat primary. Boy, if that isn't a harbinger of things to come, I, I don't know what is like what I mean. But ne- next you come on and we don't have much more time here, but ne- next next you come on. Uh, speaking of what you're doing, it's a good point. It's a scary thing if you're a Democrat to see the disparity in the numbers there. But the big thing now is that even on like the Drudge Report and other stuff, they keep linking Trump to, to like losing candidates, you know, as far as like Trump's endorsements, the kiss of death. Right. And I've kind of reverse engineered a lot of what that is. And I have some notes of my own. Maybe we'll do that next week. But the data does not support that theory at all. Objectively it speaking, it does not. As, as a matter of fact, it couldn't be any more opposite. Um, I, right. I think they cherry pick the one or two that doesn't work out in some goofy state. And then right. they had on that. But I think. Well, and, forget, and I mean, again, just, I'm sorry. I just I, I think people forget just how high the Trumpster was polling amongst amongst Republicans around 2018. It was like the highest ever and stuff. It was right. ridiculous. So uh, what were you going to say? And uh, we got to wrap it up. Go ahead. So like a lot of things, I think those people are foolish to try to point to that and say, oh, no, he's really not that popular. At the same time, you know, Trump will tout that he has a perfect record of all time. And that's not entirely true. Oh, he's insane. Like every other billionaire. Name me a sane billionaire. Bill Gates right now. Where do you hear the woke pope in the. Oh, never mind. I'm not going to get into that. I don't want to I don't want to blow the cover for you. So I want to actually have you listen to that one without knowing. But yeah, go ahead. Well, I. Agreed. Agreed. He's insane. And, uh, you know, but entertaining. So um, like well, every other billionaire in the world, is Mark Cuban normal? No. I mean, is it name me a billion like name me one that's a normal guy and you you clearly you can't be a billionaire and be normal. There's something abnormal about you to acquire um, a million. Is it a million millions? Is that what that is? No, it's a thousand million. A thousand millions. <laughs> See how stupid I am? What's a million million? A trillion? A trillion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. Well, that's why. Yeah. I went to Johnson and Wales, baby. I'm proud of that. When all else fails. You so. just apply to Johnson and Wales. They don't even want an SAT score. <laughs> it's just perfect for me. But anyway, well, Bench, good, uh, good assessment there. Uh, I have not heard that from anyone, especially the number disparity and the turnout there in Ohio. That is pretty ridiculous. It, it'll it'll be interesting. So I think the, the red wave is coming. Red wave is coming. As long as Republicans don't snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, which they are. Well, don't, known do to do, do not time. underestimate the ineptness of the Republican Party. The Republican Party is a constant disaster as far as I'm concerned. And you said it. And look, before you go, 
I do think for the first time ever, this party could actually try to move the football instead of constantly being on a goal line stand playing defense, and they still won't do it. <laughs> they're just right. they're all idiots. But yeah, whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll be back next week. We'll we'll be diving further into this. Who knows? Who, who knows what? <laughs> a week ago, you didn't think you'd get a Supreme Court leak. Never happened in this history. So I what? guess we'll have to see. What happens if this decision somehow affects the opening of Top Gun? I, I don't know. But, I mean, look, I wouldn't advocate bombing a federal building. <laughs> but, uh, you know, better I, I, won't, I won't. I'm not advocating for that. But I don't know, I don't know what would happen. I just, I don't know. I, you know, I, my wife, the, Mrs. Bench, the other night's like, are you serious that you wouldn't go with me? I'm like, no. I'm not no, because I'm no, not. I'm flying there. in town. I'm yeah. going with you. I, I told her I was like, I'm not going to sit there and hear you rolling your eyes and scoffing and cuffing at every yeah, you know, dude, I'm over aviators right now. Right, overly macho display of homoeroticism when they play some beach-based sport. Yes. Like I refuse. You will not ruin this for me. No. And when I want to have a tear, a one single tear drop from my eye when you hear the first few chords of the theme song, because I've waited thirty years. Yeah, like I, I don't not to, no. I don't want to be interrupted. So she can she can do something else. Yeah, but, she can get it on Redbox. But yeah. Right, exactly. Right, or she can come the tenth time. Once I've seen it the tenth time, yeah, maybe I'll allow her. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll see you next week, dude. All right, out here. Give it to him, Kenny. I get goosebumps just listening to this. The most anticipated movie sequel of all times. Highway to the Danger Zone, baby. Danny Belts is not scared to go to the Danger Zone. Thanks for jumping in the sports and load episode number 98. Does the talent outweigh the baggage? I don't know. You tell me. Thanks to Tommy Benz for jumping on here, especially Bro Exotic and his wokeness himself. The woke Pope is also very useful. Okay, how does he do it? It's just, I don't know how that man, he's an interesting man. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antelope. Reach out, touch a brother, and tell somebody about the Sports Antelope. Or Bro Exotic will probably end up cucking you, and you don't want that. Keep it real, Anadotions!